You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Philly, back on even terms against the Miami Heat after a game four, 116-108 win. Before I jump into the details on that, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. Of course, we always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. But this game really showcased just how good the Sixers are when they are at full strength. And we saw the best James Harden game, in my opinion, since he was traded for at the deadline. He finished this game with 31 points, nine dimes, six of 10 from deep, hit some clutch shots, big shots. And to me, looking at this now, it's a best of three. And I feel like the Sixers should win this series. Looking at the fact that Joel's back in the lineup and hasn't been able to be as dominant on the offensive end, especially. The last couple of games even back, you look back at game three, he only shot five of 12. In this one in game four, he was seven to 13, got to the free throw line a ton that went nine to 13 at the charity stripe, but only 24 points and 11 rebounds. The difference in this game for the Sixers, they got some production from the bench. You look at George Niang looking a lot more comfortable after going one of 10, basically in Miami, he hit two of five in this game. He ended up finishing with 10 points, but James Harden going back to that, Nobody's expecting him to go and return to being the Houston Rockets Harden that we saw four years ago where he was the MVP of the league, uh, dominant in terms of being able to score, being able to create whatever he wanted to. Obvious, it's obvious at this point that he doesn't have the burst. He doesn't have the athleticism that we saw during his heyday, but he's still a very capable player. And when he's hitting shots the way he was in this game tonight, the Sixers are a very hard team to beat. And really, you look you look at this, the way Philly played in terms of defensively, having its anchor back with Joel Embiid, taking care of the rim protection, taking care of making sure the fact that the Heat aren't getting anything easy. And I'll, don't get me wrong. I mean, Jimmy Butler looked great in this game. He had 40 points, had some easy looks at the bucket, was able to get penetration, but Nobody else really killed you on the Heat. Bam Adebayo had a nice game. He had four fouls, sat most of the third quarter, came back in the fourth. He had 21 and seven. But even then, you didn't have a big Tyler Hero game. Gabe Vincent, useless in this one. Max Struess, useless in this one. Had six fouls, ended up getting the wave goodbye late in the fourth quarter. He went two of five from deep. But they're not giving anything up easy to Miami, which is what we saw over the first couple of games. And that's just speaking to Joel's presence, right? You're, you're looking at... What MB does on the defensive end, not just in terms of the fact that he's a great rim protector in terms of blocking shots, but his positioning, his smarts, the way he switches on defense in terms of the pick and roll, nothing is easy for the Miami guards. And I think that's where I'm looking at this, that even a broken face and a broken thumb, Joel Embiid gives so much to Philly that 
the organization and the fan base should be very confident going into what is now, like I said off the top, a best of three between the Sixers and the Heat. And also another big key component in this game, three-point shooting. You look at the first two games where the Sixers, without him beating the lineup, couldn't make a shot for the life of them, right? I mean, you look at that, end up going 14-64 to 64 from deep over games one and two. Now you look at Miami, which is basically like the complete inverse of what I said about the Sixers going 14 to 64, the Heat are 14 to 65 over the last two games from deep. And we saw Coach Eric Spolstra talk about that after the game that, hey, we had some good looks. We just weren't able to make them. So the concern I have going into game five is are the Sixers going to be able to get some production from their lesser known guys like Danny Green, like George Dang, where Danny Green was great in game three, went seven and nine from beyond the arc ended up finishing that game with 21 points. You look at what Danny Green did in game four. You look at what George Niang did in the action on Sunday night. Danny Green didn't take a ton of shots, but ended up three or four from deep. You look at George Niang, like I mentioned off the top, he went two of five. So you're basically looking at this and saying, hey, who's going to make more shots? And having Joel back, being able to play on South Beach and being on the court, is going to swing this thing into the Sixers' favor. And me, Paul Hudrick, Jackson Frank, we talked about this a lot on the podcast network leading into the playoffs, was that this is actually a good break for Philly in terms of getting to play Miami in the second round. Boston, Milwaukee, those two teams are going to duke it out. I still feel like that series is going to go seven, even though the Bucks are up two games to one going into game four and hosting that one at their own barn. But looking at this... I don't think Miami is a team that is a prototypical number one seed. I mean, we could have said the same thing about the Sixers last year, but looking at it from the current perspective, Jimmy Butler is able to score. Jimmy Butler is able to get whatever shot he wants, but he's not a top 10 guy in the league. And I feel like when you have Joel Embiid, who's not obviously not just top 10, but arguably top three, top one, it doesn't matter how you look at it. His presence on the court gives the Sixers the best player in the series. And even though he's playing with the Phantom of the Opera mask and he's rolling with a torn ligament in his right thumb, just having him on the court, I feel like makes the Sixers a better team than Miami. So going into this final best of three, it's going to come down to a few different things. Obviously, as I mentioned, the three-point shooting is number one. Which team is going to be able to hit some shots? If Miami goes back to cooking at home the way it did, over the first couple of games against the Sixers, shot 48.3% in game one. Looking back at game two, ended up shooting from uh, from deep, didn't do that. Looking at the, at the this numbers, it's pretty obvious, right? Whatever team is going to make more open threes is going to win this game. But I feel like Danny Green alluded to this post-game after the... And now looking at this from what's going to determine what happens over the final three games of the series, potentially two, depending on if a team wins the next couple in a row, who's going to make some more shots, right? And we've seen the fact that, hey, when Joel's not in the lineup, this team struggles on both ends of the floor, obviously on the defensive end for its own reasons, but especially getting open looks on the offensive end. And you look at what the Heat were able to do, especially in that game two win. Don't get me wrong. The Heat didn't shoot that ball that great in game one. They only went nine to 36, but... You look at game two, hitting 48.3% from deep. Chances are you're going to win the game when you hit 14 three-pointers. And I think that's where the key is going to be going into game five in South Beach on Tuesday. 
is, are we going to see the same thing from Danny Green, that he's able to make a majority of his three-point shots? Are we going to see George Niang be able to contribute double digits off the bench? Matisse Thybul only played 15 minutes in game four, but he ended up having more points than he, than he did over the first couple of games. He only had five points, but he was useless on the offensive end. And we've already know how good the Sixers are with Joel in the lineup. And that's at both ends of the floor. But the residual effects of having Embiid playing goes way beyond just the offensive or defensive numbers. He gives a boost to the bench. George Nian got some looks today that he wasn't going to get in games one and two because the Heat were overplaying everything, especially in terms of having Joel being absent from the game. So, again, I think that this is a best of three. I think even if we see Joel being at what he's at right now at 80%, that is going to give the Sixers a big advantage because they don't have a top-level player on the roster. And that's no disrespect to Jimmy Butler, who I think is fantastic. I think Bam Adebayo is a all-star level guy. Kyle Lowry not looking like himself. He's dealing with the hamstring issues. But those two are still not better than Embiid and Harden when they're at their best. And we saw a very good version of James Harden in game four, like I said, finishing with 31 points, hasn't had more than 25 in a playoff game for the previous 11 outings, did it in this one. Also looking at Harden, he had 32 points as his high with the Sixers, getting up to close to that in this game and seeing the fact that the Sixers were able to keep the heat at bay just shows the importance of, of where they're at. So again, looking at this one, it's coming down to a best of three. I do feel like Philly should win this series. And if you disagree with me, by all means, you can reach out to me on Twitter at jazzkang 21 That's J-A-S-K-A-N-G-21. But again, lo looking at this right now, if the Sixers get the same type of production from Harden, I'm not going to say 31 points, but even 25, which has been a point, like I mentioned, hasn't reached previously in 11 games going through his postseason resume, but getting to where he's at now, they're unbeatable. And just having Joel on the court, even at 24 and 11, which is six points below what he averaged in the regular season, it just makes the Sixers the favorite to me. So going into this now, what is a best of three, I'm very confident in Philly's chances to be able to win this series, but it's all going to come down to game five. I feel like, I feel like if the Heat win game five, we're going seven. I feel like if the Sixers win game five, they're wrapping it up in six. And again, that is no disrespect to the Heat who clearly are not shooting that well from beyond the arc. As I mentioned before, they're basically sitting at 14 to 65 over the last two games. That's likely going to correct a little bit. But if you're willing to give up some points to Jimmy Butler as in, hey, man, you want to go score 35, 40 points? We're just not going to let anybody else beat us. I feel like that is the best recipe for Doc Rivers and for the coaching staff to take. And if you look at what Tyler Hero did in the last couple of games, hasn't been much of a factor. Yeah, he had 10 rebounds, not just a scoring aspect of it, but he went 4 of 12 shooting. Why did he go 4 of 12 shooting? Well, whenever he was switched onto by guys like Joel, when he was guarded by Matisse, when he was run and jumped and, and being doubled every single time the Sixers had the option to, guess what? Good things happen for Philly. And I feel like Doc Rivers has to make sure that they're carrying that over into Game 5, whereas you look at the differences between what happened in Miami and what happened in Philly, it's pretty obvious what the Sixers need to do other than make shots. Again, this is like the most cliche thing you can say in the NBA. It's a make or miss league. Obviously, the Sixers have to be able to make some shots when they're on the road. Guys like Danny Green, as I mentioned, guys like George Niang. But 
if they're able to implement a similar defensive strategy as in getting the ball out of everybody else's hands except for Jimmy Butler, you have a chance to steal game five. And I said this going into game two, that when we didn't know if Embiid was going to be back for game three, we didn't know if, what his status was for the rest of the series, throw the kitchen sink at the Miami Heat, right? This is the time right now. You want to throw in some funky zones. You want to throw in some run and jump defenses, getting the ball out of Butler's hands. You want to force Bam out of bio into doing some uncomfortable things. Now is the time to do it because if you can take care of business in game five on the road without playing it safe and playing it conservative, you are going to wrap this series up in game six. And so that's where I'm looking at this from Doc Rivers, from Joel Embiid, from James Harden's viewpoint, which is do everything you can do to make sure you take care of business in game five because that's going to put you at an advantage going into game six to the fact that you have Joel Embiid in the lineup. And we've seen the differences. You look at the net ratings, you look at the offensive, defensive ratings, whatever it is, every single measurable statistic is showing you just how good the Sixers are when Embiid is on the court. And even though we might be only getting an 80% version of Joel, I still feel like this Philly team as constructed is better than Miami. So Everything is on the table for game five. Again, I feel like the Sixers should go balls to the wall, try and steal this one, and you will wrap it up in six. Again, if you disagree with me, you want to chat this series, feel free to get at me at jazzkang 21 on Twitter. That's J-A-S-K-A-N-G-21. We'll be back doing a little bit more of a deep dive with Paul Hudrick on Monday. Following that, Adia will have you covered with the post-game episode of the Out of Sight podcast on Tuesday. And as I mentioned, at every single podcast, if you listen to this often, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check out Paul, Jackson, Sean Kennedy, the entire team at libertyballers.com. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks. It can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.